0: Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today, for an episode, we have a conversation on the apocalyptic Paul. Well, Scott, you know we get started here talking about the apocalyptic Paul. I don't know—is there like a hidden message in Paul somewhere that he's revealing the end of the world and uh, the everything coming to its conclusion, or what is this topic really all about?
1: Well, Chaz, uh, yeah, I can see why the labels that people use for what's going on uh, confuses people, and so to say, there's apocalyptic Paul. Is to suggest that there's something, some kind of conspiracy that we haven't seen. What's really going on? But actually, the apocalyptic Paul people are drawing out a theme, and drawing out an approach to Paul, and drawing out um, what, in many ways, was already present in most studies on the Apostle Paul. But they're giving it a new label, a new configuration, with new scholarly approaches, critical of others. And the result seems like it's a new school of thought. So where did this come from? I mean,
0: what what stemmed it? What what brought it about to um, focus more in on the specific aspect of Pauline literature?
1: Before I try to sketch it, just let me say, I think that it is a combination. And N.T. Wright's new study of the history of Pauline studies, Paul and his recent interpreters, or Paul and his recent interpretation, has, I think, sketched the, the major pieces. Uh, I, I would put it in a combination of people like this, and some of these people will not be known to many of our listeners, and that's why the description that I'll give after the names will will be more helpful. Uh, I think that we have to seriously consider Karl Barth at the beginning. Uh, it works its way in, in a different way in the New Testament interpretation of a German scholar by the name of Ernst Kasemann, it begins to show up in very distinctive ways in the United States with J. Christian Becker, who was a professor at Princeton, and he wrote a very important book on Paul. and then following him, scholars like J. Louis Martin, Martin de Boer, Beverly Gaventa, and now with a very strong presentation. I see this in uh, Douglas Campbell, who's a professor at Duke and who has written uh, a monumentally thick book on Paul called The Deliverance of God. Uh, Along with him is a new Ph.D. dissertation recently published by InterVarsity by Samuel Adams that takes it all into sort of a philosophical, epistemological, and theological realm a little bit further away from New Testament study itself. So those are the principal names of people involved in the apocalyptic Paul.
0: Wow. Okay. So, and I'm sure that, you know, they all have interaction back and forth in their own perspective. Uh, If you had to define for somebody who has never heard of even the term apocalyptic or, or anything like that, what would you say to define what it is that these guys are specifically looking at, investigating the questions that they're
1: asking? Uh, each one of them is going to have some uh, slightly different varieties to it. So I I want to respect the fact that when I synthesize this, I'm probably describing all and no one at the same time. And that's an Mm -hmm. important reminder. So I think the emphasis is this. There is a sudden, disruptive, inbreaking of God's redemptive plans in Jesus And this occurs, uh, at the cosmic level. It's for the entire cosmos. Mm -hmm. But prior to Jesus, everything, or, or everything prior to Jesus, in a sense, is reawakened, reordered, destroyed. Um, so that there's a, there's a, such a newness such an inbreaking, such an apocalyptic revelation in Christ that that now everything makes sense and in light of the now you would have to say that nothing made sense prior to that. Hmm. So the story in this sense, you know let, let's just say the, the old perspective tends to focus upon the need for personal salvation because of our sinful nature. The new perspective, I have to say, focuses upon, God's plan in history, from creation through Israel to the church, or to Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and then to the church that expands the people of God in this world. Whereas the apocalyptic uh, doesn't want to start. Let's. I think it's important. It's not going to start in Genesis one, and then move through the Old Testament narrative and get to Jesus. It starts with Jesus. Mm -hmm. It starts with the revelation of God in Christ that reconciles all thing and that, all things and that in a sense neutralizes all other perspectives all other angles on Jesus have to await the revelation that comes in Christ and once you know the revelation that comes in Christ everything else begins to make sense
0: yeah so from i mean from what i know of bart i mean that really sounds a lot like what he seems to be um, talking about and the things that I've read you know, of his and about him, uh, that it is the breaking in. So I'm curious, well, what's your perspective on it? As you, you know,
1: Well, I've learned this. a lot from Douglas Campbell, and I've learned from Beverly Gaventa. And I remember reading J. Christian Becker when he wrote his book, and I thought this is a stunning uh, approach to Pauline theology. And at that time, I wasn't as, as enmeshed in Pauline studies, as I am now, so I would see it a little bit differently now. But um, the the big thing is that it is emphasizing a new creation. That in Christ everything becomes new, and uh, it, it is not. I think that the way the, the apocalyptic people talk is that they're emphasizing that this is a new and fresh approach. They think it's right. They think it's Paul. They think that's what Paul actually believed. They think that this is actually what happened, that God has done for us in Christ. So this is not like uh, we got to get rid of everything and start all a- a- and and say something new and fresh. And who cares what the Bible says? This yeah. isn't this isn't theological imagination. This is a deeply respectful uh, tradition that is developing by people who are really good scholars. I, I don't agree with them in all particulars, but I I do think that they have something uh, that they've jumped on that needs to be exploited.
0: Yeah, and so in a sense, I mean, it's not like it, we use terms we and we make put things on in, in under labels and categories and such. But in a, you know a sense, like you said, there are things that we can learn from their work and what they're doing. And, and they both, if you're whether you say that you land in the new perspective camp or the apocalyptic Paul camp, that you can kind of have both be true at the same time. In some sense, would you well, say, or is that a good way to look at it? Maybe. I mean, not. I
1: think a lot of people like the, uh, would like to say, "I can, I can, I can take from the apocalyptic and add it to NT right." Mm-hmm. Or uh, I think NT Wright would say, "Well, no, you can't." Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for Tom Wright, but I've sure. seen him very critical of the apocalyptic approach. Mm-hmm. Here's here's a major distinction. The new perspective emphasizes a paradigm of reading the Bible in which there is a continuity between uh, the phases of the Old Testament story and Jesus as its Messiah. You can't call him the Messiah and, and make any sense and make it a special revelation if at the same time you don't know what Messiah means from the story of Israel. So if if you call Jesus Messiah, but the kind of Messiah he is, is absolutely unknown and unknowable Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament or in the Jewish tradition, then it doesn't make any sense to call him Messiah. But Mm -hmm. if he is the Messiah in a sense of continuity, then knowing that backstory, that story is very important. Uh, In the old perspective, there has constantly been an emphasis on the covenant that God made with Abraham that is a new covenant. It's not getting rid of the old, it's exploring and perfecting the old. Mm-hmm. So that's continuity. Whereas I think the apocalyptic Paul, I have to say, to me, there is there is so much disruption and so much eruption in the apocalyptic revelation in Christ that there is a threat to continuity. Between the what we would call the Old Testament and the New Testament, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think that if you read these people carefully, they try to soften that, uh, but in, in some of the stronger moments, I see a discontinuity that uh, that concerns. Me.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm curious. I, I've been you know, reading a lot from Richard Hayes and how he talks about the echoes of Scripture and specifically in Paul and how much of what Paul said, he used the echoes, the language uh, verses um, from the Old Testament and from the Hebrew Scriptures. I I wonder what what do they have to say in response to that and, and how that fits together and how he could say something apocalyptic?
1: Well, it's very interesting. Richard Hayes, is uh is often seen to be a bit of a new perspective guy but i i think richard hayes the more i read him i think he he lands on the apocalyptic side i mean this this is where it's important to realize there are nuances mm-hmm. various emphases in different authors uh richard hayes is going to he, here's what i would say he sees in paul the use of the old testament that paul knows how to read the Old Testament exclusively because of the revelation of God in Christ through the Spirit. So that now Paul can read the Old Testament in ways that you wouldn't find other people doing at that time who would just simply pick up the Old Testament and read it. So that that's a that sort of uh, revisionist understanding of how to read the Old Testament is characteristic of the apocalyptic Paul. Douglas Campbell says that the apocalypse, the unconditional deliverance of God in Christ, is a dramatic apocalyptic deliverance, inaugurating certain fundamental changes, and therefore, now this is very important, Chaz, prompting a re-evaluation of the human problem in its light. So in other words, once we know what God has done for us in Christ, we know the problem that he was solving. Hmm. So you can't start with the problem in the Old Testament and find Jesus to be the solution. You know the solution, and now you're able to see what the problem was all along. Hmm. So it's 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 where you begin. It, that's the apocalyptic moment of the whole thing. We're starting with the revelation of God in Christ. And until you know that, you cannot know how to read the Old Testament?
0: Yeah, it really seems like that starting point is the crux of uh, yep. pretty yep. much all of it, really. Yeah, you start with, huh? Any uh, any other uh, maybe disputes or debate between the new perspective or even the old perspective and the understanding of Paul and the apocalyptic uh, interpretation of him?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's one of the major issues. And this has been a constant theme of N.T. Wright in his writings about the apocalyptic. No uh, people out there should understand that N.T. Wright and Douglas Campbell are both studying Paul uh, fiercely. They are studying Paul as deeply as they can. They love the New Testament. Mm -hmm. They love Paul's letters. But they disagree sharply. Mm -hmm. And one of N.T. Wright's major critiques has been that they're using the word apocalyptic, but that's not what apocalyptic meant in Judaism. Hmm. So it's not what it meant in the New Testament. So they're using I, I think I think it would be fair to say that some critiques would say they're using the word revelation in an epistemological, personal, cognitive way that owes more origins in Karl Barth, maybe even Kierkegaard's existentialism, and T.F. Torrance's theology, mm-hmm. J.T. Torrance's theology. So it is a sort of a Bartian understanding of apocalyptic that grates at the nerves of people who study apocalyptic in the Jewish world, who know that there's more continuity, there's more historical connections, um, There, it's less... Everything is brand new. Mm -hmm. And sure, there's an apocalyptic moment. There is something about Christ uh, that shocked people at the time, stunned people that he Mm -hmm. would die on the cross and be raised, and that in the resurrection of Jesus, the general resurrection of all has already begun. Mm -hmm. This is Tom Wright's. His newest book is called The Day the Revolution Began. It's his book on atonement theory and the cross and, and crucifixion. And his argument is that when they woke, you know, when they went to bed on the night of the crucifixion, they realized later, only later, they realized that all of life had changed. Hmm. So there's that apocalyptic uh, kind of theme in New Testament studies. And sometimes I wish that we could see that these, these would work together because the apocalyptic people. Have great appreciation for E.P. Sanders. Mm-hmm. They have great appreciation for continuity uh, in the Jewish world. So it, it's just that at times the language becomes so fiercely uh, my view versus your view that the the deep themes that connect them are sometimes neglected. So there's a lot of continuity between these two views. Uh, Now I'm not talking about continuity of the Old and New Testament. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of similarity and commonality between these views, but there are sharp disagreements that really do change the discussion.
0: Yeah. So, and you know, the two that you mentioned being that of the um, the threat to discontinuity between the Old and New Testament, as well as how the um, maybe apocalyptic camp uses language that NT Wright would disagree with as being not how first century Judaism would have understood apocalyptic. Which I think is, uh, I guess, a good transition to one of the things that I wanted to ask you about being when I teach people to read the Bible and I've heard it from somebody and and I've used it in emphasizing the importance of paying attention to the the genre of the reading that you're, the book of the Bible that you're reading or really any type of media that you're consuming, the genre that um, we're reading kind of tells us the rules of the game that we're playing by. And, you know, you have to let country songs be country songs, and you gotta you know, let rock songs be rock songs, and pop songs be pop songs. And of course, it's true in biblical literature as well. Um, and the gospels are different than Paul's letters. And um, yeah. there's even a whole the whole category of uh, apocalyptic um, literature that we understand often as Revelation. And uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah, and what. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, and Daniel as well in the Old Testament. Um, I wonder what's the similarity or, or difference, or how do we not get confused in some of these similar terms that are being yeah, used? Yeah, I mean, and it's really
1: fair, and this is where NT Wright's critique has struck home, I think, and in a very important clarification, if not a paradigmatic insight, and that is this: that you can read. A lot of these people talk about the apocalyptic Paul and never touch upon any apocalypse in the Jewish world. That instead of it being this is a kind of literature apocalyptic, mm-hmm. or a kind of worldview apocalyptic, it is a an epistemological statement. This is it, it is philosophical. It's conceptual sort of a, kind of. It's apocalyptic is the inbreaking of God's revelation in Christ. And that's the apocalyptic moment. And that's all that needs to be known, is the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus completely shatters. That's one of their favorite terms, along with eruption and disruption. It completely shatters all categories that we have known before. And now the unconditional deliverance and grace of God has been unleashed in the world, bringing the reconciliation of all things. It's already happened. So the result of that is that it is not so much a connection to Jewish apocalyptic literature. Mm-hmm. It's not so much a connection to a revelation of secrets that had, had been uh, hidden in the presence in the throne room of God forever. It's it's a description of how and what happens when Jesus is seen as the revelation of God and how that reorders all that we know in theology and, and hermeneutics and how to read the Bible. So that's that to me is the primary emp- distinction. It's not about a genre,
0: mm-hmm.
1: apocalyptic theology of Paul, Paul and apocalyptic imagination stuff from the Jewish world. It's not. Uh, it's not about uh, the connection of Paul to First Enoch or Second Baruch. Mm-hmm. Instead, it is a statement. That in Christ, uh, God has broken into the world, unleashed his deliverance, and only through that set of categories about Christ can we now know. So, Samuel Adams would say we have to do history in light of the apocalyptic revelation of Christ. We have to do science in light of the apocalyptic revelation of Christ, because this is how Christians have learned to reorder and rethink about the world. Wow! Now, That's, when it comes to stuff for the church today, and I know this is kind of historical theological, it's a bit of a debate yeah. for the church. For the church today, wh- one of the things that is that has to be appreciated, and any critique of the apocalyptic Paul cannot level it and say we 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 just turn our backs on it. I think there's too many uh, important insights from the apocalyptic people. We we have to realize. The centrality of Christ in the revelation of God, that in Christ we know what God wants. I, I would emphasize that this Messiah, Jesus, is in continuity with Israel's story and he fulfills Israel's story. He doesn't disrupt Israel's story. It's not just a brand new cosmic eruption that comes from nowhere. It is instead uh, the fullness of what was already being taught, but it takes us to a new level, so therefore it should be called new creation. But this leads us to see, learn to look at the Old Testament in that sense, through where it's headed in Christ. It means to look at the prophets through where they're headed in Christ. It means to look at the laws of Moses through where they are headed in Christ. And I think that the apocalyptic theme encourages us to have some theological interpretation of Scripture that we would not know otherwise. So I I, I myself uh, have found a lot of benefit in reading Douglas Campbell.
0: Yeah, and if it, you know, as you said, what are the implications for the church to embrace? I mean, obviously, anytime the, the church can better and more embrace Christ as the center of um, who we are as a people in defining um, our Communal identity as well as our our individual personal understanding of who we are. That's going to be a good thing. <laughs> like yeah, that's, that's going a to good lead. Thing. That's going to lead to uh, a good place um, in bringing transformation and and being able, like you said, to read through the Old Testament and anything. Any other practical
1: things that you see? You know, well, I think I think that's the fundamental one that yeah. we have to keep in view. I I do think. That, uh, that it can be exaggerated to the point where we didn't know anything until Christ. Well, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go in that direction. And I don't want to claim, uh, I think Samuel Adams has taken it to an extreme form mm-hmm. at times in his epistemology. Uh, I want to uh, see that when we call Jesus Messiah, when we talk about the Lord's Supper being connected to Passover, when we talk about the miracles of Jesus and see them in the context of the plagues of Egypt and the work of God in the Old Testament, when we see Jesus using prophetic language, or even the book of Revelation using prophetic language, we see that they're making use of language in the Old Testament. So I want to emphasize a continuity with a dramatic moment of revelation in Christ. But without that, that Old Testament narrative of Israel's story, we would not recognize Christ for who he is. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so it draws us to the Old Testament and forces us at the same time to see the greatness of the new revelation in Christ.
0: That's good. So if, you know, we've just kind of given an overview and a a sketching of the the different people and contributions. If somebody was interested to uh, do some more research and more reading in this area, uh, what would be maybe two or three good places to start?
1: Well, I would um, – it depends how much time people have and how much expertise. But let's start at, at what may be the simplest level would be Beverly Gaventa edited a book called The Apocalyptic Paul. It's a collection of essays by apocalyptic-type thinkers. It's a good example. I think the clearest and shortest uh, version of it all um, is is Douglas Campbell's book called The Quest for Paul's Gospel. Then he wrote this monster book of a 1,000 pages called The Deliverance of God. Uh, Those are good ones. I also still think J. Christian Becker, in his book *Paul the Apostle*, is an important study in this. But there is an essay by J. Louis Martin uh, that is, uh, and I, as I'm talking to you, I'm popping this up, uh, and my system wants me to upgrade, but uh, I want to get there as quickly as I can. But J. Louis Martin. Uh, in wrote an essay in the interpretation journal that I think is maybe the quickest and shortest way to get there and it's called the apocalyptic Gospel in Galatians in a magazine or a journal called Interpretation in the year 2000. It's volume 54 pages 246 to 266. But I think that would be the shortest and then I would probably go to, Beverly Gaventa's uh, edited volume, and then Douglas Campbell's the um, the Quest for Paul's Gospel book, and then I would go to Campbell's big one. But but know that when you get to Campbell's big one. You got a big challenge on your hands.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're going to be there for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I hope those are helpful. I will put the links to those where you can get them from Amazon or online uh, in the show notes. So make sure that you um, check that out, Scott. Before we go, any closing thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Uh, yes. the la- The last thought I want to say is um, even even if I I think sometimes there's exaggerations and and where I disagree. I don't think any group in New Testament scholarship mm-hmm. has emphasized the abundant, prior, unconditional grace of God at work by, as a result of God's love in Christ through the Spirit. Uh, no one has emphasized this better than the apocalyptic people like Beverly Gaventa. John John Barclay can be seen as a part of this, uh, but especially Douglas Campbell. Mm-hmm. So anyone... Talking like that about the grace of God has got my ear.
0: Absolutely. Well, as I said, we hope this is helpful and maybe gaining a little perspective and learning a a new subject, a topic in New Testament studies today. And uh, we're so thankful for you joining us and look forward to being with you next time as we talk again on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now.